Welcome. My name is Gina Timberman, and you are listening to Timber People, a podcast about people who, like timber, are strong, build and create, who gather us together like fuel that feeds fire. People who support structures of our community that uplift and protect. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have my friend Brent Greenwood on the show today. Welcome. Hi, Gina. Thanks for having me. Oh, Brent, there's so much to talk about. You are doing so much. I, uh, I I almost don't know where to start, but what what I would like to say is how much I appreciate your support over the years. You and your family have been a part of major milestones in my professional career, but also have enriched my personal life as well. I just have great memories of times throughout creating what is now the First Americans Museum, times at the Centennial, um, seeing your kids grow up, and just really having you and your family there to support really important initiatives along the way. I want to say thank you, Yakoki. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's um, something that um, is near and dear to our hearts, um, the culture and so our kids were raised up around the arena. They very, they started dancing at a very young age. And, and my wife and I are both artists, too. Mm-hmm. So we keep them involved in the art circles, and they've been involved in art their whole life. And so it just the arts and culture has kind of been very vital to our family and who we are. And so because of that, we're involved in a lot of community events and organizations. And where we've met, you know, through the groundbreaking of the First Americans Museum, back then called the American Indian Cultural Center and Museum. So there's there's been a lot of things that um, have allowed our paths to cross. And we're very fortunate and blessed to have made connections with you. And um, thank you for all your support as well. You've been a vital part of that and encouraging us to do what we do. Thank you. Like I mentioned, uh, we have a lot to talk about. I want to touch on uh, your role as the fine arts director for the Chickasaw Nation, some of the arts market activity that's been happening. I want to talk about the Arts Academy, as well as some of your personal work as an artist with Life Paint and some of the cool things that um, we've done together recently, but also that you're doing uh, as an artist and your murals. But I want to say, you know, touching on before we leave that topic of that intertribal nature of you and your family, you know, I often say that Oklahoma is this collision of cultures historically. And today we're a collaboration of cultures and the tribes represented in your family and you drawing from not only those traditional aspects of your cultural representation, but also the contemporary ways in which you and Kanitha and your kids, um, you know, really express yourselves as artists and as people culturally and personally are just, it's really cool to see. And I know you've talked about this in other interviews, but I want to ask about your thoughts on what it means to be an artist in Oklahoma and what makes that so unique and special. So... When I was starting out in the beginning as a young person just trying to find his way, I'm going to take it back just a little bit here because all the support and encouragement. some old school music to play in the background. (laughs) I need some, uh, yeah, I need some uh, background music. Um, My parents, who are both deceased now, um, they're the reason um, where I'm at and what I'm doing. Um, Honestly, when I was in high school and, you know, I like to draw. I started out doing graffiti. Um, on the south side of Oklahoma City and where I was born and raised. 
And so that was my very first start into like painting, if you if you will, was with Krylon and down with the walls as a canvas. So doing a little bit of that in the 80s and then school was kind of just for me, just I was just glad to graduate and graduated from Midwest City High School in 1990. And I thought I was done with school. I was like, you know what, I'm, I've been doing this. I just want to do my own thing, which I didn't know what that was. So my parents encouraged me to um, take it another step, go to college. You know, we've started out in college. We never finished, but you would be the first one in our family to finish. You know, you can learn more about this or that. I'm like, oh, it just sounds like more school. And so, but I applied um, for a partial scholarship for Oklahoma, at Oklahoma City University, and I got a partial scholarship on art. And so because of that, I said, okay, well, let's try this out. Got in and the school, private university is pretty expensive. And so I realized it kind of did put like a financial hardship on my parents, but they were all supportive. They said, you won't, don't work, just go to school, just mm -hmm. do your best. And so I said, okay, but it's really expensive. You know, I kind of felt bad for them. So, you know, I tried to do what I could, you know, just to make my grades. And then I started looking at other options and I had heard about the Institute of American Indian Arts when I was in high school. And I started thinking back because I, I don't know, we had a recruiter come out to Midwest City at one time and they gave out posters and I had that poster on my wall. And I said, well, let me check into this school. And um, we're really not, I wasn't raised in an arts family per se. Mm -hmm. I was exposed to it, but not really like shared like certain artists. I didn't know who TC Cannon was. Right. Shockingly, I didn't know who Woody Crumbo was. I didn't know the Kiowa Six, but I've seen all their art. And so not knowing that and not realize, realizing I was surrounded by it. And Jerome Tiger, Rancid, I was surrounded by all that great art growing up, but I had no idea that's yeah. who these artists were. So to jump ahead, I said, okay, well, I'm a transfer to the Institute of American Indian Arts. And I got accepted on a full scholarship. Back at that time, once you got your portfolio submitted, you got, you got accepted. And so everything was a full ride. So got in. Then I started learning about all these artists and the contributions they made, the influences they had. And I started learning more about their story and realizing how much alike we were. And there's so many, you know, tribes there in the, we say IAIA or IA. And so there were so many tribes that came together to share our cultural um similarities. Yeah, was, yes, we had differences because very distinct backgrounds, but we had so much in common, common stories, common narratives, common experiences. I was a part of that and I learned and grew from that. And because of that, it then made me realize the meaning of what these other great artists were representing or their story they were telling right. from their perspective, be it T.C. Cannon, Fritz Shoulder, you know, Dan Lomahaftawa, Linda Lomahaftawa, my one of my mentors was uh, Gene Lamar, mm -hmm. an amazing printmaker, uh, Dwayne Slick. So anyway, I started getting all these just influx of ideas. And so I know it's a long answer to the question, but that's where I kind of really got my start. And from there, you know, and that was in the early 90s. And from there, it just continued to grow and grow where I always thought that maybe someday I'd have a style. I really want to develop my style. You can definitely recognize your style. And it's come about after all those years and people do can point out my work and like, oh, we saw one of your pieces here or there, you know. So anyway, um, 
long story short, <laughs> is that I feel like it was because of that, those early upbringings, found the, the um, support from my parents, laying that foundation early, supporting me to get through college, even though I didn't want to, and then me realizing how much it opened my eyes up to what was going on and how much I had um, to share from my own side, because then I could tell my story. I'd love to see you reconnect um, and continue to connect with artists that you know from across the nation. And when we're somewhere like um, in Santa Fe for the Indian art market um, to, you know, the shows, you're wearing your sovereign hat, um, you know, and to see what you're doing with the sovereign show and to see what you're doing as an artist with different markets. Um, I really love to see what you're doing with Chickasaw Nation, which I want to touch on that um, heavily as well. But really that diversity of that reconnection, seeing so many Oklahoma artists represent, um, you know, what is now Oklahoma and our diverse cultures here today. But really going back to that proud uh, recognition of strong arts integrity that is seen all around the world. And much of it comes from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So you want to see how that kind of really relates to what I'm doing today and how that does is, you know, being immersed in art and just taking all that in, having some world experiences, because I'm also a a singer and a dancer and uh, on my punka side, I'm a straight dancer, Southern straight dancer. And then I've been singing and, you know, I by no means claim to be the best singer, certainly not the best dancer, but it's something that is like just embedded in your body and your soul for lack of a better explanation. And you kind of feel that. And it's something like with art, it's a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. So singing, I, I enjoy singing. And because of that, you know, my son's now a singer, right. both like I said, both our kids dance and uh, they do art and beadwork. Not as much as we'd like for them to, but they, they're very creative. In they're what very they do. creative and so talented like yeah. you guys are. So as, um, you know, fast forward to where I'm at today with my position with the Chicksaw Nation is the fine arts director, which essentially means um, I oversee arts education. And so that is dealing with artist workshops, with the community work. You know, we do outreach to schools and have like what we call mini festivals. So we just, you know, just finishing up Native American Heritage Month this past November. Right. Every week we were doing something with the school. And actually we just finished up our last one this past week. So that keeps me engaged. That keeps our, our tribe engaged and sharing with others. And we service all the, or not all, but we service elementary schools and other schools through the 13 counties of the Chickasaw Nation within the boundaries. And so kind of get to my point of being an arts educator, arts administrator, I started out with, you know, the artist path and being um, kind of a teaching artist, if you will. I was doing small workshops, small presentations, doing live paints. But then I had an an offer to come present at the Chickasaw Arts Academy as, you know, as an artist and then as a demonstrator. And then someone said, hey, have you thought about teaching? I'm like, not really. You know, I I mean, I I enjoy sharing my story and engaging with others, but I never thought about maybe mentoring or teaching others how to do that. So I said, well, I'll give it a go. And so I think this was like in 2013. And then I did it for um, four years and I felt like, well, it it was a great experience um, working with students, high school students, 14, 18 years years old, and really kind of sharing with them kind of things I learned. I always wanted them to get 
from from point A to point B faster. Like all the things I went through to get here, like all the trials and errors, all the hiccups there, I wanted them to kind of maybe know about that, but see how they could overcome that easier than I did because I already went through that. So I was trying to share my my tricks and techniques and all that. <laughs> and so, tricks. yeah, so all the You're tricks of the trade. Tricks. <laughs> yeah, tricks of the trade. So I was doing that. And then someone really did. I mean, of course, I was always pushing IEI too. Right. So I worked with those high school students and some handful of those students did go to IEI and some have graduated since. So that's great. You know, that's kind of what I wanted to see was like, you know, mentor these young people because they are the next generation, right? So that was really special for me to be able to see you know, over the years, I had, you know, four classes I was teaching, maybe 10 to 12 students each class, and maybe six of those went to IA and three graduated or right. something like that. But the fact that even in, any of them went and graduated, and the thing about IA is that even if you've gone to the school and you don't graduate, you still gain massive inspiration and influence by just being out there. There's something special about IA, New Mexico, just the different you know, tribal influences, the aesthetic that exists. You see it all around. The food, the culture, the people, it's amazing. So Right. You said two words that were really on my mind when you were speaking um, just now, that inspiration and influence and the impact. What uh, programs like the Academy are accomplishing now have major impact on Native students, but also non-Native communities and schools as well. Mm-hmm. The Chickasaw Arts Academy is a lot like um, Quartz Mountain, right? the Ho- Oklahoma Arts Institute's yes. um, two-week intensive program. What makes us different, obviously, is that we're program-based, and so we service our citizens. Um, we do have some placement because, you know, different skill levels, right. but we service children 8 to 18, and there's three different levels, and they learn everything from music theater to drawing, pottery, beadwork, you know, um, composition. We cover we cover the full gamut of, of classes and disciplines that we can offer our students to get them started on this path and engage. And as they and some of our students have been with Academy since they were eight and they every summer they look forward to it because a lot of our students are in rural areas and they don't get this type of arts education or art classes. And so this is all they get in the summer. And so it's kind of cool to sometimes see the students explore different mediums or disciplines like my daughter did. I think she went through three different disciplines right. before she realized, which we already knew she was a diva, but she realized <laughs> it herself that, okay, I'm into this performing arts track. And like I said, she's getting ready to graduate in another year, uh, next year, uh, 2024. She's but, the sweetest diva I know, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, so she had that from a very young age and she realized that was her career path. But she did textile, she did vocal. So that's what's cool. Um, And I've mentioned this with our Arts Academy um, students and um, people is that, you know, you're going to find a diamond in the rough and they don't even know it yet. But when they are exposed to this and engage, this is really special when you see these students come out of their shell and just blossom with this type of uh, arts engagement and enrichment. You know, I had the great pleasure and honor, thank you for that, is being a judge at your CSAM art show and to see what people are turning out, what artists are doing these days um, for Southeastern art and is, it just blows my mind. I was just really, it was such a a wonderful experience, Mm -hmm. really. 
Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And that makes me think back to like your initial, I think, opening, you're talking about just a a variety of things. And one of the things you mentioned was talking about um, the art making here. And I've heard you use a word I like. It's a buzzword, placemaking. I like like hearing that because that's something special when we can connect with the community through placemaking. And that's what I feel like has happened here because when I was exposed to the arts and saw how rich it was in Santa Fe. Not to say it wasn't rich and there was an investment here in Oklahoma, but the buzz was out there. Like Santa Fe Indian Market in August, to me, that was the mecca of all Indian art markets. That's the market you want to be in. And so you have your calendar of art markets you're in, but Santa Fe is definitely one you want to be in. So I always wanted to get back to Santa Fe. So it was like in my short-term goals, to be out there in a gallery within two to three years, or I think I said two to five years after I graduated right. OCU. Um, so, which I failed to say. So I went to OCU, finished up the IA. I nearly had an associate's program back then. So I finished up there about a year and a half. And then I came back to OCU to finish up my, my uh, BFA. So I did that and I graduated in 97 and I wanted to be back in Santa Fe. I said, this is where, that's where it's happening. That's where it's at. And so a year later, I got into a gallery. Right. So, which is like, I surpassed my goals. And so for them, it was like just a, the trajectory was like, sky's the limit. So um, that kind of set me set me off and going with that. And um, getting back to the idea of the market and being out there, I, I was thinking, okay, we, we got to be out there. So Kanitha, my wife, Kanitha, we got married in 96 had her son in 96, <laughs> got a house in 96. <laughs> it seems like 96 <laughs> was that, that special year for us. And so, yeah. um, but I wanted to be back in Santa Fe, but, you know, being an artist here in Oklahoma, there was other opportunities too, as well. And so I think it's about 2000, I was approached to um, serve on the board of the Oklahoma Visual Arts Coalition. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Julia Kirk, who's yes. in Oklahoma Senate, she was our um, executive director. Uh, she was, she's great as a Senator now. And she was great as a director then too. She was awesome. And I, and I even tell her this when I see her to this day and I saw her just maybe a month or so ago, how much she's the reason I'm still in Oklahoma, I think, because I was telling my wife, Kenneth, we need, we need to go to Santa Fe. We need to go to Santa Fe. And Julia told me, she said, so what, why do you, why do you want to get back to Santa Fe? What is it about Santa Fe? that's so special. And I told her everything like that about the art, about the food, about, you know, just everything that was going on and about Santa Fe. And she said, why not create that here? Yes. She said, you have everything you need we here. We had that vision all along for Oklahoma. And I know y'all had it. I mean, it started in the eighties and what we have today. It just, I wasn't as involved with it. I think I was kind of the outsider looking in, but once I took that, those words to heart, it made me realize yeah, she's right. I don't need to go to Santa Fe to, to do what I do. We can make it here. So with that, and then it's kind of like things just kind of start falling into place. You know, I would meet different people along my path once I stayed here and made my life here, kept the gallery in Santa Fe and always still went back there every August. And sometimes we're going two, three times a year just to be back out there. But um, that being said, we're still here. I still, you know, always give Julia Kirk props whenever I see her. And, um, like I said, along the way, met you, met others that have helped embrace this. And it's just been a nice collective to make it. It's been a nice 
synergy and things that we've got going now. It's pretty amazing. And it's like we're in a renaissance of we what's are. happening. There is a renaissance in Indian country and Oklahoma is like ground zero at it. And I will say that, um, you know, I really appreciate Julia's encouragement. And she was right, uh, along with many other people who had that vision of placemaking for Oklahoma. And I want to say that you have been contributing so much to that placemaking with your mural work. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that um, I love painting um, murals, um, outdoor murals, indoor murals. And when I started serving as the fine arts director in 2017, that is when I was an Ada and I started noticing just the walls, the lack of uh, murals, public art. And so I was like, okay, it was a goal of mine. I want to see more public art here Right in rural Thank Ada, rural Tishomingo, <laughs> rural Sulphur. And so I, um, it took a little convincing from my bosses at the time just because, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of it. You know, there were some things down there, but I was wanting to um, promote the public art because it's free. You don't have to go to a museum. It's something that the public can engage with for photo backdrops, senior pictures. I mean, you it see car clubs. Life. Car, yeah, car clubs, motorcycle clubs. People just love taking pictures with that as a right. backdrop. And um, I just thought the level of engagement, because I just love seeing kids walk by it and pointing and going, Ooh, you know, it's like, I can do that. You know, yeah. I just feel like it's encouraging. It's so, yeah. um, yeah. So I promote that. I got permission to do a mural on a building that was adjacent to our offices in downtown Ada. And it was the old Ada newspaper building. And I wanted to, um, encourage our young people. So we have through, back to the Chickasaw arts Academy. We have small breakout sessions throughout the year. It's not just during the summer. So we have a spring breakout session and it's usually about four to five days. So I brought in a couple of friends to serve as mentors to students. The first one was a Chickasaw artist named Natasha Wagner. Mm -hmm. And she started kind of the first phase of the mural in our fall breakout session. And then for the spring breakout session, I brought Yadika Fields. Oh, and then they really finished it up um, with the students. And they loved it. You know, it was, it was great. And, um, and then from that, we worked on another mural down at Tishomingo with students. We have mur um, like some murals in sulfur. And so anyway, just that whole public arts engagement, that is something that was near and dear to my heart. I want to see that happen and it happened. So, yeah. Well, that oftentimes may be the only avenue by which native or non-native that citizens can really, um, you know, like you said, you know, they may not be walking through the museum, but they're driving down the road and they see a representation of native culture and it sparks a curiosity. And hopefully that spark encourages them, engages them to want to learn more about who we are as Native people. And I will say that it's been really awesome to work with you and to witness you um, working with your live paint experiences. And I've been really grateful for clients of mine that um, have been really open to using live paint experiences to not only help raise some funds for an organization, to create a sense of identity and awareness for an organization, but also to really enrich the experience of an event, like an opening, opening an office experience like we did um, last year, I guess it was. And then recently 
to support the coalition of large tribes engaged you and thank you for this for the live paint experience and for developing the cult logo that has the MMIW representation of that red hand, but with the cult coalition of large tribes logo in the center of that. And I recently went out to a meeting in Las Vegas and everyone was proudly, you know, wearing their pens and people have their stickers and that's really awesome to see. And it's been really special to be a part of the evolution of an identity that is so representative of something so important. So thank you for that. Thank you. That was a, Something I really, that is something I really enjoy. And I would say it's probably been going on 15 years, maybe longer since mm-hmm. I've been doing that. And um, I have to give credit to Tom Ferris, who at that time, I think this is the mid-2000s, he owned a gallery in Norman. Um, and he, has an, he had an opening or something. Anyway, he had an opening and he invited, I think, Marwin Begay. Matthew Bearden, myself, there's one other, I believe, maybe America Meredith. But he invited four of us or so to do a live paint. I had no idea what that was. I mm-hmm. said, what, do a demonstration? He says, well, yeah, you do a live paint, but, or a demonstration, but it's a it's actually a live paint where you, someone might want to buy it after you're done. It's, right. it's just this painting. He said, I'll provide everything. And he said, I've never done one. Y'all be the first ones I do that with. He said, do you, what do you want? Canvas, a panel? I said, I guess just the panel's fine. So anyway, that was that kind of started everything. I was like, well, this is kind of cool. And so I don't think it was for a couple of years until I did another one. Then I started doing them for Red Feather um, Gala. And just one thing led to another. And then before you know it, I'm like, like this past year, like just this past six months has been like super crazy busy, like especially for I don't know how you do it. I'm like I just did two last week. I know. I was I talking was to like, you about this podcast and you're getting ready for another live paint. Yeah, was, like, and you were in the middle of a market. Yeah, I, it was all sandwiched in between an art market last weekend. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I probably did, well, the past month and a half, I probably averaged one a week, which is crazy. But um, yeah, so the, back to the live paint. What's so cool about that is people are part of the process. So there's a level of engagement there that people see, oh, I, I remember when he made that mark or, oh, I, I was there when he did that. I thought he was done. Why did he do that? So I hear all these questions and it's cool, though, when you see the final product, because people, um, it depends on how the, it usually works. Sometimes it's for a fundraising effort where people can right. actually buy it. Sometimes the event already pre-purchases it and I'm demonstrating and finish it. But the whole process itself engages people that they're a part of that experience. And so what's really cool is when it's for like a fundraising event, people can bid on that and therefore they're taking that experience home with them, something they're going to cherish forever. Right. And so even the ones that don't get the original, I usually, when I do finish, I allow the organization to make prints. If people want to make, you know, buy prints, I usually work at a deal to where they can make that happen too. So anyway, it's it's the whole experience and engagement that I think is really special about live painting. I'm really proud of the work that I have of yours. And, you know, that was, um, I have that from Red Feather. And I want to say thank you for supporting Red Feather in that way, because that's uh, really important to so many Indian people and to our community for the Oklahoma City Indian Clinic. And speaking of boards, I know that you are the chair of the Jacobson Foundation, 
And I want to thank you for your work with the Jacobson Foundation. And um, I know that there's a, there was a special event at uh, Skydance Brewery. And I know that you are uh, an artist that is represented there. Do you want to say something about that? Yeah. Well, first, uh, thank you again for that um, acknowledgement. Um, the Jacobson House there again is near and dear to my heart. Um, one of my first art shows, Outdoor Markets, was at the Jacobson. They had an outdoor mar- market in the late 90s, I believe. Um, and at that time, John Parrish was the right. executive executive director. And he, mm-hmm. being Chickasaw, he knew of my work and knew what I was doing. So he encouraged me to be a part of it. And I did and did really well. And we did those markets for a couple of years and uh, really successful and always beautiful weather. When there's one day, there's or one day, one time there was a tornado. But other than that, <laughs> it usually happens in May. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking we're going to do that again this year. That would be so, great. yeah, kind of get get that going again now that we've come out of COVID and you know things are opening back up, we want to be uh, more proactive with some of the art markets we've had in the past. So, there's that and then um from the Jacobson House, you know, like I said it's a volunteer board ran and so I serve on the board of trustees. Um we're limited right now just on hours we operate cuz we do not have an executive director. But I do chair the board and we offer programming and our website is a little plug here, jacobsonhouse.art. So you can check out our website and um, calendar of events and things like that. It's an important heritage and a legacy, not just for the university, but also for the uh, heritage of artists, native artists. You mentioned the Kiowa Six. Uh, earlier. And I think supporting that as the chairman, but also as an artist is so important. And I know that in the coming days, there will be those opportunities, but we had an event at the Skydance Brewery and you uh, are represented there. Yes. Yes. That's it. That's it. Um, Of course, Kiowa Six, obviously, you know, when I learned about the Kiowa Six through my arts classes and like, oh, so that's the Kiowa Six. Oh, they're the ones that did. Oh, so it all started making sense and coming to me as, okay. And then it all came together for me. So, yeah, I mean, the Kiowa Six, you know, what they were doing, it was like when you look at a timeline on the evolution of Native American art, they're a very vital part of that, you know, because that was really the first time. Indian artists were in the studio creating these pieces and being shown internationally. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very um, important movement in art, the evolution of, you know, Indian art. So um, now fast forward again to like what I'm doing today. So my foundation and roots, you see some of that. What I found out when I was in Santa Fe, there's a quote unquote Oklahoma style of art that you see. It's it's kind of distinguished as flat, two-dimensional, and you see the Kiowa Six or other artists from Oklahoma, Rancid, Jerome Tiger, that has that Oklahoma-esque style of art, if you will. That's what my work was be was kind of tagged as when I was at IA. And right. my teachers try to help me step outside that box, still rely on that as a foundation. But how can I utilize that to share my story, my narrative? So get back to the Skydance, um, met the owner who's now the Iowa tribal chairman, and really great guy, so great guy. Awesome. Yeah, very supportive. What a cool of, opportunity. Yeah, he's so supportive of nonprofit initiatives and Indian organizations. Uh, his program, his um, brewery sponsors, you know, different things throughout Native American Heritage Month. 
as well as throughout the year. And so we've had fundraising events the past two years with him, which he's totally donated his proceeds, a portion of his proceeds back to the Jacobson house. And he's also um, allowed us to design labels for his, mm-hmm. he has beer releases like every week. <laughs> so, um, but in a, in a proactive and a good way, you know, we're, I know you think of the brewery and like, oh, wait a minute now, alcohol and it's not, has nothing to do with that. It's more about the support of the initiatives right. and we're promoting things in a good way. We want it to be like a, a learning experience too. So like when we promote our art or what we're, the mission is, we're giving a little education, you know, it's more than just a beer label. It's, well, yeah. it, it's an art label is what it is. So there's just educational component there. Right. The multidimensional experience that I witnessed and being there at the event recently was, you know, that cultural representation of gathering, of you, you all singing, of art, of enjoyment, of fellowship of our community. And it's really important. And thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The um, last event we had, I'll just touch on that real quickly because it was awesome. I've never did anything like this. And again, I want to give credit to where credit is due. And Kristen Gentry yeah. was a great part of that. And she got with me. And I guess she's done a similar event at uh, Gilcrease, I believe, for a fundraising event. And so she said, what it is, is it's going to be an art drawing rally or a print pulling rally. Whatever the whatever right. artist we right. bring in wants to do, they bring in works. They finish these works on the spot or create new works on the spot. And then everything is sold for for this particular event, $49 only. And so it's kind of cool because once a piece is done, um, the people that want to bid on that piece are not bid. It's just luck of the draw. We have a suit of cards. And so we hand out a maximum of 13 cards from a deck of cards. And there's one person that's going to get the ace and that person will be the lucky winner. And so somehow this woman, she walked away with like four or five pieces. She was really lucky that night. So um, some of the artists had like five or six in line to get their pieces. And some artists had 13 people wanting to get that piece. But nonetheless, every piece sold, which was amazing. I think we had like over 35 pieces of artwork that sold that night. Oh, for $49. That's such a mysterious number. Yeah. (laughs) It's not quite 50, but no. (laughs) No, no. Anyway, I want to say I would love to have you back on the show to update on everything that you're doing. And, you know, before we started today, I was saying, you know, you and your son, your family are such great singers. It'd be great to have you on the show again and to hear some of your beautiful uh, words and songs and So Brent Greenwood, thank you so much for being on Timber People. It's been such a pleasure. Appreciate you and all you do. Jakoki Chokmushki. Thank you, Gina. Jakoki, thank you for joining us. Timber People is brought to you by the Possibilities Podcast Platform. As we wrap up, Possibilities would like to give a special thank you to this episode's sponsor, Chickasaw Nation, paving the way for creative expression in our community. Their commitment to our vision allows us to continue to have these conversations. We are grateful for your continued support, Chickasaw Nation.